Hey, I'm Spencer Powell and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with Rusty Green of Compelling Homes. Rusty started Compelling Homes in 2009 when no one was building anything. He figured with no real overhead, no business education, and no sales experience, he had a good shot of making it happen, given his total lack of anything resembling running a company. That was 13 years ago. It hasn't been easy or even progressive each year. It's been and continues to be his overnight success 10 years in the making. Now for the conversation with Rusty. Hey, Rusty. Welcome to the show. Hello, Spencer. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm excited for today. And before we get too deep in the weeds, I think it's always helpful for context. Just give us a little bit of background. What's your company name? Where are you guys located? And what kinds of projects are you working on? Sure. Um, I'm Rusty Green. I'm president of Compelling Homes. All we do is remodel. We don't build new homes or commercial. All we do is what I would call a move up or a luxury design build remodeling. That's it. Uh, we are square in the middle, dead center of the country in flyover country in Des Moines, Iowa, a little town called Grimes. We service the Des Moines area. Have a blast out here. That, that's us, Compelling Homes. Sweet deal. Yeah. So how did it all start? Did you Did you start the company and when was that? I, I did. I started the company because I was broke. Uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so if, if, if you're old enough to remember 2008 financial meltdown, you know, houses, that whole debacle disaster, I spent 10 years as a commercial construction project manager with a local general contractor, you know, but my education was in carpentry. So I got a chance to basically ride from carpentry all the way up to an owner in that company or an invested partner in that company. And then I promptly lost my job because I was a project manager on 102 home development and uh, homes weren't selling. So I became a very expensive piece of overhead that I don't fault the leadership company. They let me go because it made sense to. And I started this in 2009. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, that scenario was probably pretty common. I know talking to my uncles, they did a lot of spec building in the Seattle area and they're like, it went to zero. There's literally no, no yeah. new construction. Yeah. So they spun up remodeling, custom homes, handyman divisions, like get it going. So that makes a lot of sense. So that was 09 when you spun that up then? Yeah, March of 2009. And I knew nothing about running or operating a business, barely still do today, 12 and a half years later. So I went back to what I knew, right? Which was, you know, commercial construction. A lot of it had to do with McDonald's restaurants. Yours truly right here has built and remodeled like 200 or McDonald's uh, <laughs> restaurants. And I was fortunate enough that a owner of 13 stores called me some random day after I lost my job and said, I can't get any satisfaction from your previous employer. 
would you be willing to work for me? And when you're eating potato chips with no money, your answer is yes. Definitely. Um, because it's McDonald's, <laughs> those checks clear. So I started my business working at putting in grease interceptors in parking lots for McDonald's restaurants from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. Oh yeah, very glamorous, rewarding work. No, pretty humble beginnings. I had to, I like to say, and I like to remember, I like to remind myself, I was $400,000 in personal debt. I had $4,000 to my name. That includes retirement. I had a $2,500 a month house payment, driving a BMW, and an ego the size of Texas, and no job. So I started my own business. It makes sense. I yeah, mean, totally, right? yeah, it totally. out like that. It's like, what other <laughs> choice was there? <laughs> right. And who, would, who would hire that guy? I, I wouldn't hire that guy. And, <laughs> and, and away we went. Oh, that's awesome. And I like the the like vision of you working working at night, you know, kind of grinding out. Cause honestly, like I think that's the non-glamorous. Like sometimes it's one year, sometimes it's five, sometimes it's 10 years of kind of that just like it looks ugly. And then and then it starts to take off. And you know, it's easy to look at somebody that's that's deep into their journey and go, oh, like that they make it look so easy. But you know, right. I like I like those early images. So I'm curious, like you got the the McDonald's kind of gig, what did that first like one or two years look like? Did that just kind of lead to the next or what happened after that? So it gets pretty weird in detail, right? So it started out rough and I, and I don't mean rough financially. Financially, it started out great. And I, again, matter of mention, I didn't know anything about owning or operating a business. So the McDonald's people reached out to me and I could charge whatever I wanted. And it wasn't because I knew how to charge. It's because I kind of had an idea and had no overhead, no insurance, you know, no truck, you know, and started this company. And I, I got to this spot where McDonald's is just writing checks left and right. And then that fueled my ego again. And I thought, this whole business ownership's cake. I mean, you call people up, they send you money, you go do the things and you move on. <laughs> I literally thought it was looking back on it hilariously that, that bad. So that was 2009, around 2013, the McDonald's faucet shut off and reality set in. And I will never forget uh, Christmas right now, like this month, right now, this is December. I didn't have any money for Christmas presents, right? And I was doing like a million dollars a year in commercial work with no overhead, no employees. And I thought I was killing it. And then when that stopped, I'm here standing here holding the bag, no cash, no money, no plan, no education, no business plan, no, no clue. So it skyrocketed, you know, fuel that young ego and then, you know, other plans kick in. And then I had to dig in. I had to, I had to figure it out. So although I started in 2009, my journey of, of learning every day, recognizing problems, and then putting together a plan really didn't start until December 2013. Yeah. It sounds, so it sounds like maybe that's where like the mental shift was oh, made yeah. around the time. Yeah. 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 December 2013, I walked out of my last McDonald's restaurant as a contractor and I'll never step in, into another one as a, as a remodeling or a general contractor. We chose residential construction and remodeling at that point. And then in 2000, I want to say 15 or 2015, right around there was our last new home that we built. Mm. It's been all remodeled since. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so what was it about shifting to residential? Was it just like, because the money just stopped and you're like, ah, this could happen with a big corporation or did you just not care about commercial as much or? So there is a galvanizing period of time. It wasn't an aha moment or an epiphany, but it was definitely a moment in time where I started asking myself, what do you want to do? I mean, what turns you on? What gets you excited? And 
there was a pretty big stir in me to start creating environments that were appealing and pleasing to human beings. And that's not commercial, for the most part, that's not commercial construction. Commercial construction is how fast can you go? How cheap can you make it? You know, 500 miles an hour and nothing wrong with that. There's a, there's an environment for that. It just doesn't work for me. So when I started looking around and realizing what I wanted to do, I started looking at some of the greats, you know, Meets Vandero and Frank Lloyd Wright. These are guys that are took architecture on in residential forum that stirred emotion and created environments. And I thought, well, that's appealing to me. Let's, I wonder if it'd be appealing to anybody else. And then the wheels started turning about how, you know, what's your why? Everybody's read that book. Our why, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is to create spaces where people could be the best version of themselves. That's it. So that turned into residential work and then eventually specifically residential remodel. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. It's funny because that actually has come up twice in the first few episodes that we've been recording is the why. And yep. And it's interesting. We'll see if this continues to be a thread as we move along, but it's also interesting too, because it's something that wasn't figured out until like you know, a good chunk into the journey. And then it's, it's like this click and it's like, this is why, and it kind of starts you into the new, like, I don't know, uh, chapter or, or something like that. So I think that that's pretty fascinating. Yeah. I, that's why it kind of froze me there a second. I was like, I feel like I just had this conversation, but, but I think that says a lot, you know, for anybody listening, you know, sometimes you fall into this business and then you really, once you discover like why, what is it that you really love about it or what's the angle on it that's unique to you or how you do things, then it becomes more uh, meaningful and you kind of, I think it flows into all the different areas of your business. Definitely a uh, kind of a cocoon moment, you know, whatever you want to call it, where I became, I was so, so broken and so broke and so beat down from trying to figure this out that I would have these just wildly, abstract conversations with, you know, my wife or my family about, you know, creating a room or soaring ceilings or fun, funky light fixtures. And and I started, you know, have you seen this room? Have you been to this museum? Have you been to this house? Have you been, have you been, have you been, have you been? And then I started connecting an emotion to a room. And then my emotion with connecting emotion to the room was excitement, joy, and confusion. And I wonder if I can replicate that. And then it'd be, well, this is exciting. And then, then, the first time we did it, where we created a room where the homeowner's in there and goes, this is, we still use this today. The homeowner looks at it and says, I don't know why I love it, but I love it. <laughs> they can't put words to it. That's, Perfect. that's it. That's the win. That's the absolute win. And it gives me goosebumps now, right? So something else we say, when somebody walks in and we're deliberating over their stone countertop on their island, we just, they can't get the selection nailed down. I said, let me stop you right there. Hang on a second. If we're finished with your home and you walk in the front door and through the entryway and you turn and you look at your brand new remodeled kitchen and you say, I absolutely love my island countertop, that is a failure in the most epic proportions. That is a Saturn-sized failure. The goal is it just works. I feel great. I feel excited. I feel relaxed. Whatever that emotion is that we want to create and we capture it, win articulating that, explaining that, good heavens, trying to estimate that, figure out how to make money at that, it's taken years. 
Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. That's really interesting. So do you do you feel like you have a good process for that? Or is that something that's like innate to you because you have that curiosity or like how easy is that to replicate? <laughs> I guess is the question. It's all about the client. We work for clients and work for customers that are interested in updates, in modernizing, in realizing their home is at end of life and they, they need everything, right? And those are fun, enjoyable projects and they're great. Then there's a little variation of that, a little, uh, a little adaptation to that. Then you have a client that realizes, just like that first client, but then they say is that little things like, this is a room that I sit down and relax in. Okay, you just told me something there. And then we can start getting into conversations about, well, how many kids do you have? Do the kids cook? Are the kids into sports? What time do the kids come home? Is this a, everybody's out of bed at five o'clock in the morning? Or is this people have heard of breakfast, but we're more of a brunch people and we don't eat that here. <laughs> so the process has this tipping point in it. Now, do we have a process from, from the phone call to three-year warranty? Yes, absolutely. Is it bubble charted and flow charted and step-by-step documented? Yes. Is it posted? Yeah, we've got it all, right? So there's a process, but there can be a little variant in there if we're getting information or feedback from a homeowner that they're trying to create, replicate, or resolve an emotion, that's when things get fun. That's when I'm like, okay, we're going to talk about the texture, the profile, and the silhouette of light fixtures. I don't necessarily have that conversation with every one of our clients, but to the people that understand, they're trying to create serenity, excitement, volume, raucousness. We can do that through design but that looks a little different than the client that comes to me and they're great. They say, I need a kitchen, a master bathroom, a main floor. I want everything new. Let's go shop. I'm in, I'm your guy. But you see the difference there? Absolutely. Yeah. Different? Yeah. Yeah. And I would imagine, yeah, it's a lot of listening for clues that they, that may be of interest to them and maybe even just having kind of that straight up conversation about like, do you want to feel a certain way when you walk in a certain room? And yeah. Have you, I'm guessing you're a design guy or you've got like a design eye. Has that always been an element of curiosity for you or of interest or have you, do you feel like you've really developed that? Not to sound cliche, but both. So I started realizing that I admired an elevated sense of design in clothing at, hmm. at a young age. Now, not how I'm dressed right now, but when I would see just a smoking 
suit on a dude, right? You know, the tweed, the leather, just this phenomenal, like, wow, this dapper look. I'm like, wow, that, that's, that's sharp. And then what turned me on to it, and, it had, then I'm, and I, would, I would go talk to the guy. It's like, hey, man, what, what is this? Where, 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 where'd you get this? And then I started talking to tailors, and I started getting into clothing, and I realized, like, well, there's something to this. Coupled at the same time when I would travel, I found myself constantly photographing homes, the mm-hmm. outside of homes. That's cool. That's different. That's different. This is cool. That's cool. And I started realizing my interest in an elevated level of personal taste clothing, style, cars, you know, anything that's slightly different outside of the norm, I found to be attractive. I started picking apart and I started finding houses, started picking apart. That's when it started getting into, there's something to this. I I need to figure out why am I turned on? What is attractive by this room, texture, light fixture, stone, tile. And uh, it's, it's become a language of my everyday life. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. I'm, I'm pretty envious because I, I have, I feel like I have no, artistic ability or very, very, very low. I, I know I would be the client. I'd walk and be like, this is amazing. I have no idea how to create it or what went into it, but it just, it feels right. It feels good. So sure. now don't ask me to do anything else. And, and I tell yeah. my clients that at all. I mean, I'm, I'm 45 years old. I've been doing this for 30 years. Do the math. All I know is construction industries, whether it's, I've done a lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of it. So yeah. I, I tell people, I said, don't ask me to balance your checkbook or, or, or <laughs> mow your lawn because I don't know how to do either one of them. Yeah. And that's fair. Yeah. Completely right. fair. So, so thinking back, this is just more of a fun question. I, I'm always curious because you've dealt with lots of different variables, lots of different clients. Like there's usually a, like a weird or crazy client story, obviously don't name names, but is there anything that comes to mind when you're just like, I can't believe I had to go through that. <laughs> So it's, it's kind of a weird, it's a very short, brief story. So yeah, home based in Des Moines, I mentioned him in Des Moines, but there's all the suburbs. So in Des Moines proper, in Des Moines, kind of the oldest sections of town are in Des Moines and got hired to remodel a kitchen and a master bathroom and they're stacked right on top of each other. And part of the scope of work was to remove the ceiling in the kitchen, which was right below the master bathroom, because we're doing plumbing and a freestanding tub and laundry and and we got to do all this stuff. So we're in demo and in an older home. So we're on, we're on alert for like asbestos and lead-based paint and that kind of thing. So we're on alert for that. We pull do all the demo, drywall, everything out. And I step into the kitchen and I start looking around the floor system, which is basically the ceiling above you and the floor for the master bathroom. Well, that was a home addition done in the eighties, no permit pull, whatever. Right. So home addition. There were zero fasteners whatsoever holding the entire floor system in for the master bathroom. Uh-oh. And I had to tell, I had to tell them nothing, no bolts, no load bearing points, no framing, no brackets, no joist hangers, zero. It was friction fit. And the walls must have been built like a chalice because they wouldn't fall down. That's the only way gravity would allow this entire structure to come caving in. So I had to call the homeowner with, you know, a conversation like this, you know, hi, Mr. Homeowner, Rusty Green here, got some news. Book a hotel because I can't have you in your own home tonight. This is a health state. This is a safety issue. This is catastrophic. I've already got phone calls to the engineers, to the city of Des Moines. I'm going to take care of you, but you can't come home. You know, have a great night. <laughs> that was a, that was a rather unfortunate one. Nice. Oh man. Yeah. Well, I'm assuming everything did not fall down then. Otherwise you would have told me that part. <laughs> yeah, it, it was fine. The engineer and the engineer we work with is, is great, right? But they're an engineer. They have to think, you know, they don't say much, you know, kind of opposite of me. They come in and they look at it and they're, you know, kind of looking around and kind of ducking underneath, looking at things and counting things up. And 
a laser tape measure. And he's like, okay, I'll call you in a few hours. The end result was not impactful at all. You know, it was you know, $300 in bolts and some studs and a beam and done and out. But that was, a, that was not a great day. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Well, at least the solution actually wasn't too difficult. So no, I mean, it's, it's construction, right? It's, it's methods and means and bricks and sticks and lumber and a, and a beam or two and some nails and move on. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's awesome. All right, so thinking back on your journey, what's something that you feel like you're really proud of just thinking about building the business from where you started and where you are today? Hiring people that are smarter than I am, hands down, without a doubt. I know who I am. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. And then overcoming the, the fear of hiring people that are phenomenal at project management, general management, sales, whatever it may be. I would say in 2000, as early as 2018, when I got out of my own way and realized that, you know, I'm going to take a risk and I, I'm going to bring on a project manager or, and or a designer and or, you know, in 2020, as early as last year, let's bring on a general manager because I'm not a manager. I can't manage a Kool-Aid stand. So something that I'm proud of is the fact that every business owner, some do it very early. Some like me do it somewhat late. Get out of your way and realize that people are phenomenal at aspects of business, no matter what route. Build a tactical organizational flowchart. Put yourself wherever you're good at in that organizational flowchart. And then populate the seats all the way around you with people that know how to do that. When I started doing that back in 2017, 2018, now I had employees and that's part of it. I mean, you can't grow a business without them, but really realizing that there are people out there that are phenomenal and they want to help and you put them on the team, the whole thing grows better. I'm proud of that. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. All right. So let's fast forward to today. Where are you guys going? What's the, the future look like? The next three, five, 10 years, pick your time window. Okay, Spencer, this is an interesting one that you're going to, because it affects you. We have a, I think it's a five-year goal. A five-year goal is whatever we spend on marketing in three years from now, that is our five-year charitable contribution. Awesome. So if we spend, you know, 2%, of our annual revenue on marketing today or 1.875 or whatever the number is in five years, I want to take that exact same amount and donate that. Very cool. That I think would be phenomenal. I'm a huge fan of micro micro works also a huge fan of United way. And there's people out there that, that uh, are doing great things greater than I am. I mean, I'm on a remodeling business. I think there are people out there that are curing cancer. So if there's a way that I can help people make the world a better place, through charitable contributions, that's our five-year goal. Now, that's a big one, right? BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal. Where, where are we going? I, I see us adding two more employees, and I see us having an opportunity to help more families by systematizing our process to eliminate problems. That's where we're going. Profitability is great. Revenue is for your ego. How do we have good profitability on good revenue with happy clients, with ecstatic employees, where everybody's got a company vehicle, everybody's got paid vacation. I'm buying lunch once a week. I get to cook lunch for the whole company once a month. You know, there's Nerf gun fights in the office. And, uh, and then we're all moving towards a point where we can donate 
you know, a fair amount of money to a cause bigger than compelling homes. That's where we're going. I like it. Yeah. That's an inspiring vision. So, and I would imagine it is for the team too. So, all right. So to wrap up kind of an open-ended question, but a lot of remodelers are listening to this. And so if you could share final words of wisdom, encouragement, inspiration, kind of whatever you want to leave people with about, you know, either what you've learned or what they might be able to take away and kind of on their own journeys. Find a platform where you can engage with people that are exactly in your business outside of your market. And whether it's a sanctioned opportunity, a sanctioned business, I belong to one where I have access to immediate access, cell phone, email, phone call to 12 other remodeling companies across the nation, not in my backyard. I can't talk to them. And the amount of knowledge that's out there with people that are willing to help you is unbelievable. 11 other companies can call me and ask me any question. If I can answer it, I will. Whether it's profit loss, balance sheet, work in place, uh, general profitability, customer management, employee management, general accepted accounting practices, you name it. If you can find a business, an opportunity of network that you can connect to eight to 14 other businesses that do exactly what you do, do it. It's expensive, but the, the, the return on investment is astronomical. I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, my business in 2017 versus my business in 2020, the only thing that's the same is the name. That's it. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Good advice and simple, actionable. Somebody can take that and walk away and go go start that right now. So I like that. I, I wish I would have years ago. I, I would have. Uh, I would have. I don't know. Bought a boat or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why? Well, it's always it's always a boat for for construction guys. I don't know why. <laughs> My uncle said that too. He he always had boats, speed boats, and he's like. Don't buy a boat, Spencer. Just go find somebody that has a boat and hang out. Right, yeah, yeah, sure. You have a boat, Spencer? Let's let's go party. Yeah, exactly. No, that's that's great advice. And Rusty, I appreciate the time and thanks for sharing your story with us. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.